What's up? I'm Amanda Costco, and you're listening to the Electric Runway Podcast. Are fashion tech and retail tech the same thing? On the show this week, part two of my conversation with Mika Yehara, the co-founder of SF Fash Tech, and just a generally knowledgeable and awesome human being when it comes to not only fashion tech in the Bay Area, but also the various ways fashion and technology overlap and intersect. Mika and I had a lot to talk about, from 3D printing to fashion-first design. If you didn't hear part one of our interview, check out last week's episode, available on iTunes and SoundCloud. And now, here's part two of my conversation with Mika Yehara, recorded from the Twitter building in sunny San Francisco. I want to talk about fashion culture in San Francisco for a second here. When we think about San Francisco, we definitely think about tech, but fashion, not so much. I mean, there's definitely fashionable people here, and there are some <laughs> companies that I'm following that are unique. But from someone who's been, who's been living it, what is the fashion scene like here in San Francisco? Who are some of the key players in yeah. your opinion? You know, we do have some stalwarts of, of style here. For example, like Wilkes Bashford, he kind of revolutionized or brought in high-end luxury designers to San Francisco years ago. And we also have a history of manufacturing here in the city that include both fashion, I would say, and lifestyle. So we've had Levi's, Gap, even North Face started here, at least in, in, in the Bay Area. And there are a few more recent companies, like Nasty Gal, for example. A lot of people don't know that they started or had their office here in the Bay Area first before moving to L.A. Mm -hmm. And we have Dolls Kill. We have a lot of accessory brands. You know, and then we have some of our friends at, let's say, Everlane. Their approach, you know, they are using San Francisco manufacturing, or they were. It's for high fashion, not so much. What's interesting, there's an anecdote from someone at Rent the Runway I spoke with a couple years ago. They they saw they were trying to get into the SF market. They found out it was just a really small market for their business. And if you could kind of think of Rent the Runway as an index for maybe fashion, that's kind of interesting to think about that. Like, okay, so we're a really small market. So for folks who don't know, Rent the Runway is a site where you can rent high-end designer dresses for special occasions without having to own them outright. So it's a sharing economy sort of for, for fashion. But how many times would you need to wear a high-end dress? Right, in San Francisco, right? Not not often. I mean, there are events and galas here, but it's not as, as much as you would have in other larger metropolitan cities. Now, one thing to know is, you know, the population of San Francisco is less than a million. Yeah. So if you think about that, what my co-founder and I say all the time is, you know, we kind of, we peacock a lot. Like, you know, we're small, but we evoke this really big presence and just big scale because there's so much going on here and there's a lot of money here. But if you look at the numbers, we're really, really small. So, As a market. Absolutely. Yeah, right? that's a really good point. Right. So you're going to get a small chunk of the small market. You're not really going to be a market. But again, you know, as you mentioned, there are fashion people here. A lot of bloggers, actually. There are a couple that have moved, unfortunately, to other cities to get more exposure and to be closer to brands and retail. But you know, they've started here. We also have a few media entities right, that have offices here. And what's interesting is WWD, for example, has higher a few journalists that have a background or at least have some either they're located here or they have some interest in fashion technology or they've hired a few people mm-hmm. here in San Francisco to cover what's going on so even because though, they're realizing that from New York they can't keep their eye on what's happening here and so much of the future of fashion is happening here if they're gonna stay relevant to the publication they have to be covering that yeah and it's interesting because again future fashion immediately I think 
Actually, I think personally think Tokyo. I think they're decades ahead. But you know, we look at the major cosmopolitan areas. We look at London. We look at New York. London actually is very interesting. I think that they're doing. They have the right ecosystem there. I mean, they're doing some really interesting things from the government level all the way up to private industry. But in, back to San Francisco, what I think it's working here is not necessarily high fashion, but some ca- categories that are doing really well. I would say are probably athleisure. I would say streetwear, denim. Home of denim, and I think jewelry and accessories are doing very, very well here. So, from the fashion perspective, like to say there isn't a lot of fashion here. I think with a brushstroke, you can say yes, but when you actually come in and look at the the makeup of the retailers that are here now, the brands that are emerging, they probably fall within one of those four to five categories that I mentioned. Another point is that brands and retailers are actually setting up shop in San Francisco, partly because of the the income level here, but also you know we're the gateway to Asia. Right, so if you're looking at luxury labels and brands, they are setting up stores in San Francisco, partly because of the tourism that we have and that we attract from all over the world, especially the Asian markets. So, you know, I think there's a lot at play here, but they're undertones. We like to be a fashion capital. I know some entities here say that they're trying to do that, and you know, the the attempt is is really is really. Earnest, yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, there is an attempt there, and again, because there's an appetite in comparison to the larger. Players, you know, we're just we're we're not that that advanced in that way yet. Yet, yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's the? We already mentioned one in terms of challenges. The challenges that startups uh, face when launching something fashion tech here. One of them was San Francisco's maybe not the best test market because it's a higher income, it's a smaller population. It's not going to give you an accurate picture compared to an audience like New York. What are some of the other challenges? Yeah, that's a great question. As you know, part of building this community, we've had hundreds of discussions with entrepreneurs and startups around how do we get in, how do we test. We're looking for bloggers, we're looking for media. Is this business model even correct? Is it sustainable? Is it something that can be long lasting? I think one of the things, or a couple of things. One is there are a lot of companies and ideas. If you speak to, let's say, if you grab ten people on the street, I would say eight out of ten of them are working at a either a startup or a a large company. But they have a side gig that they're trying to make into something else, right? So everyone has an idea, and there are a lot of ideas that will turn eventually into companies. So the competition in terms of that is high. And for fashion technology specifically, I think the discourse over the last few years has become more sophisticated, right? It's not just oh, I'm building an app that shows you pictures of style. That's a feed of style. Right, four years ago, five years ago, that was kind of interesting. The discourse has changed, and the features and the community that's a part of that app needs to be a part of the process of developing a business. So even though the entryway or the entrance to creating a company, because technology is cheaper now, is is the entrance. Sorry, the obstacle is less going to be much more difficult to create something that's unique that stands out. So、mm-hmm. to your point around a smaller market for fashion technology. The questions are, you know, how do you stand out? Who is your user? What's different from you versus another company? Because as we know now, when people think fashion technology, it's it's a bracelet that does X Y Z,、mm-hmm. or it's an accessory that does X Y Z. So the things to consider are, you know, what what alliances do you have running out of the gate? What partnerships do you have? We really think that partnerships are key to scaling growth and development because. Partners usually have the user base, or they have the customer base, or they have resources to manufacturing. So it's really okay if you want to build something successful. It's not just a feature set that you have. It's also what are what else are you building that's valuable? So that's partnerships. 
as well as obviously unique engagement with users. So what's really great to see companies that are doing accessories like Ringley, for example, you know, that's kind of been everyone's darling, I think, for the last couple of years is the, the connectedness, but it's again, it's invisible. Right. And the founder has always talked about starting with fashion first, technology last. But, you know, now with other players in the space, bigger players like Apple coming in with their ring, you know, the key is, okay, what sets you apart, not just from your peers, from a startup level, but from the bigger boys? Because they're seeing the opportunity in the market and they have everything. They have the scale, the user base, the branding. So what else can you bring to the table? And I think that a lot of companies, it's it's a lot of fast moving, fast working. Um, I don't want to say fast failing, but it's let's constantly move, work, 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 switch, change, mm-hmm. um, adapt, but also try to maintain this long term vision of how to build a company around fashion technology. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the fashion first. Do you think it's a challenge to have a fashion first approach here in San Francisco where, as we were talking about, there's not a huge fashion community here? Do you find the same thing that the funding is going to the people who are developers or creating something and then the fashion is a afterthought? Or do you see the companies that are coming out fashion first and doing well with it? Yeah, no, I think it's the latter. You even see the big boys um, like Intel. For example, you know, they've hired some people that have traditional fashion backgrounds to help pushing their products into the fashion space, right? And they've, I think they're one of the big tech companies that have done a really good job of partnering with the right people at the right time, as well as pushing with the right features and just an understanding of really how to get into the space. If I can take a step back, there's a general sentiment that companies that have a founder uh, with a design background are more successful than those companies that don't have design from the beginning. And I think that that definitely resonates within the fashion community here too. So when we talk about a small fashion community, I don't want to say it's not, again, that it's not diehard, right? That it's not dedicated, that it's not supportive or talented. I think we do have extremely talented. It's just small. Absolutely. Um, But we're finding that the companies that are that are rising above the noise um, are those that have that unique um, design aesthetic. Um, And it's funny to say unique design aesthetic, but it's kind of unique, right? It's a selling point. Everyone uses it in their their decks or on their websites as a value proposition that it's stylish. So it's those companies that are rising above the noise. And I think nowadays, you know, everyone talks about this. You have to have that from the beginning. You can't have it as as a feature, as an add-on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true for you know the industry as a whole. When we talk about technology, not just fashion tech. If you don't have a great user experience, if you don't have great design elements in your whatever, it's uh, it's not gonna it's not gonna resonate. I don't think. So I want to talk a little bit more about you, since you're so generous to share all of your opinions with us. So you are from Chicago, and how long have you been here? I've been here for over a decade. Oh, yeah, that's I'm kind great. of a, I consider myself kind of a local now. <laughs> so from Chicago originally, but now a San, a San Franciscan, is that San right? San Franciscan. San, San Franciscan, okay. Yes, yes. And you also work at Five Run, uh, a cloud-based retail software startup. Yes. So tell yes. us more about this. Yeah, so Five Run helps retailers, lack for a better term, build an Apple-like store experience for mid-sized retailers and brands. So if you think about, you know, when you go into Apple and, you know, everything from the sales process to the product information to getting your, uh, your product, if it's not in store, you know, to get it shipped to your home, you know, within a couple of days, all those processes are actually not very easy. 
And the Apple Store has a very unique experience in the sense that everything on their back end is unified. So essentially what that means is, you know, the retail stores have their own systems and processes in place. And, you know, the e-commerce, the website has their own system and processes in place. And rarely do they actually talk or intersect. So what what Fiverr does is actually build solutions for stores to unify all of those systems and processes. So what we're doing is we're helping the in-store sales associates, for example, to have access to information from inventory that's available across stores as well as online, which is surprisingly not, it's not widespread. Retailers are still working very differently with online and in-store. We help to unify that process, um, which is a term called omnichannel commerce. Right? So we're helping to unify all these processes and data. But our technology also streamlines retail operations. So essentially the goal is to become, this is the future of retail, where we're envisioning smaller store formats, we're envisioning different experiences when you're in the store, information readily available for you, inventory information readily available for you as a customer, the ability to upsell and do all these other things in the store without having the sales associate saying, I don't know, or I can't help you, or go online. Right, yeah, because there's nothing more frustrating than going into a store and saying, I saw this really beautiful sweater online, and I'm here to try it on in person, and they don't know what you're talking about. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, what we say is retail is the new black. There's a lot of funding going into the space to help improve the in-store shopping experience, and there's just a lot of money going to the space, but... It's also because there's a move towards cloud-based solutions. So a lot of these technologies in the store are, they're antiquated, they're traditional, they haven't been upgraded for years, decades. So there's a lot of cloud-based commerce solutions now, or a lot of companies looking for much more agile ways to to run their businesses. Our sweet spot are retailers, usually multinational retailers, because within our system we have um, multi-language, multi-currency, multi-task support out of the box. So... We do really well with companies that are looking to either quickly scale globally or that are interested in testing pop-ups or new store formats in other countries. You know, we look at companies and brands or retailers that have, I would say, between 50 to 100 stores internationally. So in your experience with Five Run and with SF Fast Check, what's the most valuable thing you've learned about bringing these communities together? Yeah, so it's interesting. Again, this goes back to my, you know, Retail tech is not fashion tech, <laughs> even though, you know, in this case, you know, I'm working at both retail tech and within fashion tech. And I think really a couple things are, um, at least from the overlap, is really understanding the importance of platforms and connectivity. So as I mentioned with retail tech, it's all about seamless experiences now, right? So from a consumer perspective, but also from the store manager perspective, everything needs to be seamless for the future of retail. So, you know, connecting that with uh, SF Fast Check, it's also understanding that or knowing that the future is really about platforms, connectivity, user experiences matter. This goes to our whole understanding and idea around invisible tech, right? Seamlessness, invisible tech. I don't see those those value points being different, even though I do see retail tech and fashion tech. Yeah, as two that's different really things. different. That's a, so what you're saying is that even though you see retail tech and fashion tech as two different things, the idea of that seamless user experience and that kind of integrated, interconnected feeling when you're interacting with the platform or the product or the 
clothing. Yeah. It's the same values. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. Then just from putting the community together, obviously collaboration, right? Collaboration partnerships are extremely important, and I think that's the only way companies will survive because innovation happens right at the helm of different perspectives and backgrounds and thinking. And again, I think now large tech companies are now understanding that. What's really interesting, what I'm seeing in the space right now is artists in residence programs. There are big companies that actually spearheaded that type of approach in, in the 80s and in the 90s, but they were just doing experimental things and you know trying to just find if there are new ways to think about things. But now artists in residence programs, I think, are becoming much more of a kind of an R&D arm where the far out crazy ideas that can be created and experimented with can eventually turn into, I think, a viable product or a solution or some, you know, some other opportunity for that company. With this community, <laughs> community matters. So collaboration is one thing, but for any company, and I, we talk to startups about this all the time, is it's the community. If you have a passionate user base, or if you have, even if it's 50 people, we don't necessarily hold on to the idea of qual- uh, quantity, it's really the quality. So mm-hmm. if your users are fanatic about you, or if you have a way to cultivate um, this sense of belonging and community, you can run laps around other companies. So lesson learned, right, is community does matter. And truth is, you, know, you find some really great people too <laughs> that become friends, partners, coworkers, uh, co-founders, and colleagues. And it's just building that community to to really bring new ideas to the forefront, to support it. And final question I always like to ask, what do you think fashion can learn from technology and vice versa? What do you think technology can learn from fashion? Uh, So let's see. So starting with fashion, learning from tech, I think it's funny. There's still a little bit of fear from the designers that we've talked to around integrating technology. They're seeing it as this completely foreign thing. And I think they understand that the limitations in creating technology also apply to the limitations in how, let's say, a designer creates apparel. If they can see that there are definitely restrictions in that, I think there could be a common language, even much more than the discourse that's going on now around fashion technology, that if you think about it, the worlds are not that different. They're still prototyping, right? They're still playing around with things. They're still looking at limitations of, let's say, code or, you know, user needs versus fabrics, right? And and there's also an inspiration aspect too, I think, that that can be common or related between the two. So it's, it's, it's kind of understanding that, look, you know, these two industries are different, but they're threads that are similar, I think, that fashion can learn, at least from those that are actually trying to incorporate it or don't know what the what the value of having tech in fashion is. And they should also know that we don't think of tech has to be in everything. It doesn't have to be the front, the back, the middle. Like it doesn't have to be everything. And I don't think the tech industry is trying to do that. It's just trying to help and empower and to extend and make an efficient processes more efficient. And the flip side, tech learning from fashion, <laughs> I think tech at least with the companies that are looking to get into the fashion tech space, and I'm talking large tech companies, they should probably be more experimental. This goes back to my point around like the artist in residence program, where now there are innovation labs that are popping up, especially in San Francisco. It's okay to start with far out ideas. You know, it's okay to start with things that don't necessarily have a, an immediate value. But I think the key is to think about things that are outside of the product and to really understand the nuances of that and how that can be applied to their processes. And also, style is more than a feature. 
it has to be built in from the beginning, from the ground up. Otherwise, they're missing, again, the nuances, what we've talked about, of being on the body or of being on at certain times or being discreet and being invisible. Again, the future is really the invisible tech, and I hate to say that because I'm sure there's some technologists out there that may not agree, but it's really about having that as an integral part of the mixing pot, an ingredient within the pot of the pie, right? It's not, it's not just the frosting. It has mm-hmm. to be a part of the, the recipe from the beginning. Mika, how can people get in touch with you and with SF Hashtag? Yeah, so with me personally, you know, I'm on Twitter, Facebook. I mean, I'm on most of the social media channels that I can be. Hitting me up at Mika, M-I-K-A, at sfhashtag.com. Or SFHashtag, same thing. Uh, you can go to our website, sfhashtag.com. You can also follow our tidbits and rants and raves at the hashtag #fashtech, or you can follow us at sffashiontech. So, you know, really, um, we're everywhere. <laughs> and we're also, again, you know, we're, we, we love promoting and supporting the startup community. We really love working with those that have innovative ideas and that really just want to experiment. There's definitely some value to, to having that openness and freedom of doing that. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, man. It was really great being here with you. That was the second part of my two-part conversation with Mika Yehara, co-founder of SF Fashtech. Next week, we're back in Toronto and speaking with my friends at Raw Finery Studio, and they have a very special announcement. Until then, here's looking towards the future.